Amen. Amen. And so those that are going to class can slip out while they're doing that. The rest of you can get your Bibles and let's turn to the book of John chapter 5. John, the fifth chapter. Begin reading in verse number 1. I'm going to read down through the ninth verse. And it reads like this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting. Everybody say waiting, 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 waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in, it was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, But while I am coming, another steppeth down in before me. Jesus said unto him, Arise. The literal translation says, Jesus said, Get up. Get up. Take up thy bed and walk. Amen. Get up. Take up thy bed and walk and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked and on the same day was the Sabbath a lot of exciting things happen on Sunday our Sabbath amen God bless you you may be seated Our text takes us to a particular quarter of Jerusalem that was known throughout the land of Palestine. It had become quite famous. There were not only sacred stories about that place that abounded, but there were also many legends. Josephus said that it was a large enough pool that one could swim in it. It was a place where people came. They congregated because of what they could find there. At certain times, the waters were disturbed. They thought it was by spirit, whether it was or not. Only God knows. But there was... The feeling, the thought 
that if they could get into that water first, they could be made whole. And there are many people that do not believe in the miraculous or the supernatural power of God. And they will tell you that when you read John 5, you have to understand that part of that story is not in the older manuscripts. You would look at that and wonder why. But my question is, if there is no validity to the story, then why were there so many people waiting for such a long time for something to happen? And why would this man wait for 38 years? That is a fact. Because when they saw him later on walking and carrying his bed on the Sabbath, they rebuked him for doing what was against the law. So whether superstition or whether the fact was that an angel disturbed the water, that part is not in the original text. But the outcome is evident that something miraculous took place at that pool. Something supernatural. There had to be something that kept people waiting. Because most people won't wait for no reason at all. Terraced porches had been cut into the surrounding area to accommodate the folk who came and waited. And it had become a gathering place for the infirmed and the crippled, the afflicted, and the hurting. And the Bible said there were a lot of folks there. There were a lot of people, a multitude of these folks. And the reason was that there was hope there. That if there was a place that they could go where they had a chance of recovery, That's where it was. And so people were willing to come and wait for a long time for their opportunity or their time, their chance. There was in that place hope that sooner or later their lives could be changed for the better. And so they waited. They came looking for only a chance, waiting for a change, waiting for the disturbance, waiting for the troubling of waters because it meant for somebody that life could be changed and life would be different. They could be healed and made whole. You know, I think that's why some people come to church is because they know That if there is anywhere they can go to find help, this is where they're going to find help. And they may come and wait a long time before they ever experience the power of God that can transform them. But they come because there is hope. There is something in that place that speaks of better things or they would not come. It was a chance, but a chance was better than nothing. A chance was better than being crippled. It was better than being halted, blind, or lame. 
A chance was all that they were looking for. And you know what? There's not a lot that has changed over time. That's really all anybody ever looks for is just a chance. Just an opportunity. They will live their lives on chance. That's why a lot of people play the lottery. Because there's a chance. They might pick the winning numbers. That's why gambling is such a prolific business in our world. And people are so addicted to it that they will compromise not only themselves but their families and their future are because there's a chance that the next hand or the next roll of the dice would give them what they are looking for, a chance encounter, a chance of luck, a chance for love. And there are a myriad of other things that people wait on in life and it's waiting for a chance. Just a chance. One day Jesus walked into that place called Bethesda. And into that setting came not only a man, but came the very essence of mercy. What that place represented. Bethesda meant house of mercy, but when Jesus came, he was mercy. Amen. And it was him. And it was with him. That chance went out the window. An opportunity knocked on the door. Because when Jesus is involved, it's not a matter of chance. It's a matter of time. And when he is involved, there is not a guesswork. It's just a matter of who in the congregation is going to appeal to him or reach out to him or believe him. For what they need in their life. And here it was that Jesus found a man. And when Jesus came and walked into Jerusalem among those handicapped people who wanted to be healed. He was bringing them the greatest opportunity of their life. And here it was this encounter with this cripple. A man who had been there for 38 years. Now, some people just shake their head and say, wow, that's, that's pitiful. That's sad. 38 years waiting, 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 waiting. How many are 38 years old? Anybody 38? Anybody admit? Not you, Junior. I know you're not. Anybody 38 here? Anybody 36? All right. Imagine, if you could, that from the day... You came into this world until today. All of those years, you've been waiting. Waiting. Knowing that there's a chance that my life could change today. Knowing that today, things could be different. But for 38 long years, nothing had changed in that man other than The years had passed. But somewhere there was a hope that remained alive. You know, you've got to give that man credit. He did hang in there. That's a whole lot more than I can say for a lot of folks. Amen. He stayed with it. But time and chance had worked against him. 
It had not smiled on him. It had not been kind to him. And here he was on this day. And Jesus stepped in. And Jesus asked him one of the, one of the strangest questions that could be asked by anybody at any time. I mean, why would you ask a man who has been there for 38 years if he would like to be made whole? And yet, that is exactly what Jesus did. He asked this man who wanted to be healed, who had put himself in the place many times to be healed, he wanted to know if he wanted to be made whole. And when Jesus asked that man that question, his answer, I believe, revealed why he might have been so long without his healing. For when Jesus asked him, do you want to be made whole? Instead of him answering like I would have thought, yes, I want to be made whole, he instead answered him, I can't. I, I can't. That's one translation of the word that is used there in the Greek. I can't. Because I have no man to help me. And when the waters are troubled, somebody else always gets in the way before I can get to the water. And so I think therein lies perhaps the answer to why he had been so long. It seems to me that his answer was more like an excuse or a complaint than anything else. But before we become too harsh of our criticism of that man, we need to ask ourselves if we may not have made some of the same mistakes in our life. This man who had been sick for so long definitely had some issues. Issues that no doubt went beyond his physical limitations. And I have my own theory about that. But I believe that's why the Lord didn't ask him if he wanted to be healed. He asked him if he wanted to be whole. Because there's a difference between being healed and being whole. God can heal your body, but if your mind is still sick, you're going to stay sick. And I've seen God do some wonderful things in people's lives, but because somewhere down in the deep part of their being or in their mind, there was something that they never surrendered to God. They continued through their life in a handicapped situation. They might have been well in their body, but they were still sick in their mind. And so he wasn't talking about just a physical touch. He was talking about a complete makeover. Because the Lord knew that I can touch your body, but if it doesn't touch your mind, it's not going to make any difference. Because your mind will drag you right back down into that hole that I pulled you out of. And so he didn't ask him, 
if he wanted to be healed, he asked him if he wanted to be whole. Now, that's just a sidestep, my theory about it. You can make up your own opinion about it, but I think there's a lot more to this. I believe this. I believe people can not like the pain, but get accustomed to the misery. And they can go a long time in life hating the pain, but being used to the misery of their life. And so in this encounter and exchange, some things begin to bubble to the surface about this man. He had been around a long time and he had seen a lot of things and plenty of miracles no doubt had happened. And if not then why would he have stayed there for 38 years? He had evidently seen something through those years that had kept him hanging on, thinking that tomorrow would be his day. And day after day, he waited for his opportunity. But every time he tried, somebody else always got in before him. He was always a day late and a dollar short. Little did he realize that the one who could change his situation completely was standing right there talking to him. You say, how do you know he didn't know? Because later on, when the Pharisees said, who healed you? He said, I don't know. He didn't even know who Jesus was. Here's just a man that steps up to him and ask him this question out of the clear blue, do you want to be made whole? And then there is this spiritual encounter that he comes into that completely transforms his life. But I believe he revealed in his answer the reason why he may have been so long in his condition. There are three things that I think need to be observed. Number one, I believe one of the issues that this man struggled with was seeing only his problem and not his opportunity or the possibilities that were before him. For his statement was, others get in before I do. You know, I would be better if it wasn't for all those other people that get in my way. I probably could get over this or get past this or, or I could get my healing if, if there weren't so many obstacles in life, if there weren't so many mountains that I had to climb over, if there weren't so many oppositions. And so when we, when we live life with a problem, if we're not careful, we get to the place where all we see is our problem. And we never see our possibility. When you see yourself in that light, you will never find yourself in a place where God can do what he needs to do. There's always a hindrance. There's always a reason. There's always an excuse. And when the atmosphere is right in the place, someone else always gets your blessing. You know how many times I've had people tell me, Brother Hughes, and I was on the verge. I, you know, there was a certain point in that service when I just felt like if I just stepped out and went to the altar, God would do it right then. And I just look at him like, well, 
because I saw other people do that and got healing or touched or God moved in their life. And here we are still in the same condition. And the reason is because we become problem-oriented in our life and that's all we can see is all of the stuff that is against us. Well, you know what, I probably could live for God, but I don't have any support around the house. I don't have a lot of encouragement at home. I don't have anybody that can come around and, and lift me up. And, and all that I see when I get up are all of the walls and barriers. Every time I try to make a move, there's something else that rises up to stop me. And it doesn't matter how hard I try. I never seem to get beyond these barriers we see our problems but you know what it's interesting about this story jesus didn't ask him what his problem was i'm not going to say god's not interested in your problem i'm going to tell you god already knows your problem he didn't ask him what his problem was he asked him what his desire was Because it doesn't matter what your problems are. Big, great, small, large, complicated, simple. It doesn't matter. Because if you are a person that all you can see are your problems and the obstacles and all of the opposition and everything that's against you, and that's all that you see through your prism of life. You limit yourself to what God can do in and through you. And you allow yourself to become a captive in a world of frustration and anger and bitterness and resentment because I ought to be better, but I'm not. I've been here long enough. I ought to be past this by now, but here I am still. And I watch other people. They, they get by me. They get in. They get what they need. They, they get what they prayed for. But here I am. Maybe the reason I've not gotten what I need so far is because I'm so focused on my problems I don't even realize that the answer to my problem has been in my presence all this service long just waiting on me to tell him what my desire is. You know why I believe God doesn't answer a lot of our prayers? Because all we talk about are our problems. All we pray about are our problems. Why don't you start praying about your desire? God, you know. I've been here 38 years. That ought to say something. I've not quit. I'm not giving up. I'm, I'm hanging in here, but, but certainly there's got to be a break somewhere. All God was wanting to know was what's, what's on the inside. I see what's wrong on the outside. But what is there on the inside that might be keeping you where you are? What is it on the inside that limits that potential that I have in God 
and limits where I can go in God. It's not that God hasn't opened a door or provided the opportunity, but there's a limitation on my life because of what's on the inside of me. I want God to fix my problems, but I don't want God to fix me. I want God to get me out of my misery. But I don't want him messing with my stuff. You know the story of the demoniac? He had legions of demons. Now one devil's bad enough to have to deal with. And I can say that as a pastor because I've dealt with a few devils. One is bad enough. But a legion is 10 to 12,000. That's how many spirits were in that man. No wonder he was naked and cutting himself and acting like a maniac. I see what one devil can do to people, and I'm thinking, my Lord. No wonder he's a lunatic. And Jesus steps foot on the shore one day. He doesn't call him. But a man who was bound by legions of demons could not be held when the power and the presence of God came into that region where he lived. (laughs) And the Bible said he came running and fell down and worshipped him. And Jesus commanded those spirits to come out. They went into the swine and the swine, this is really strange, It's amazing what humans will put up with that even the pigs won't live with. They couldn't stand it and they ran off the cliff and killed themselves. And the next picture you see, the Bible said he was sitting. He hadn't been doing that in a long time. He was clothed. That ought to say something to the world we live in. God does care about what you look like on the outside. If God didn't care what you look like on the outside, why didn't he just leave him naked? Because nakedness is a shame in the presence of God. And so he put clothes on him so he could look like a man. He was sitting and clothed and the Bible said he was in his right mind. Man. You would have thought the whole community would have come out and they would have had the biggest revival that city and that area had ever seen. But the only thing those people were worried about were their pigs. And they asked him to leave their country because they had lost their pigs. Here's this lunatic that had hurt their family. He was part of their family. But there was something wrong inside. And it doesn't matter what God does to me on the outside. If God doesn't ever get down on the inside of me and work on my mind and heal my mind, I will never be free from whatever it is that binds and torments my life. And I've seen people over the years come to the altar and supposedly pray through 
and then go right back and go right back to the life they've been living. They keep doing the same things they've always been doing. You know what? They got a touch. They got what they wanted on the outside, but nothing happened on the inside. Amen. Number two. He had an issue in seeing only what he didn't have rather than seeing what he did have. He said, I have no, you can fill in the blank. I have no man. I have no help. I have no encouragement. I have no incentive. And so here is a man who for 38 years evidently was locked up in this mind that always looked around at his problems and then he looked inwardly and he said, I don't have anything. I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to get past this. How many people are missing their miracle or what they need in their life because they are hung up on what they don't have. He might have had a crippled body, but evidently even he didn't realize he still had a little bit of faith or he wouldn't have been there. Faith is one thing God needs if he's going to lift you out of the situation that you're in, but you've got to realize that you've got more going for you than you have against you. And the simple fact that the one who can change everything is talking to you right now. That ought to make somebody wake up and realize anything can change in this kind of atmosphere. It doesn't matter what I've been battling. It doesn't matter what I've been up against for 38 years or 48 years or 58 years. When you come into the... I wish somebody would listen to me right now. There are issues that there are people in this building that are fighting over. And if you don't get a change in your mind, you're never going to get healing for those issues. And if you don't get past this mentality of seeing everything that's against you, you'll never even open your eyes to see what is for you in this building. And God said, if I be for you, who can be against you? Amen. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now and give Him praise. And I'm, I'm getting to a close very quickly. I think this is probably the greatest hang-up this man had is that he judged the present by the past. The translator said, I can't. I've tried. So that tells me that wrapped up in this man and his problem, not only physically but emotionally and mentally, was this hang-up of his past failures 
and all of the attempts that he had made to, to make it right, to get it done, to get through, to get what he needed. And here is this man. He conveys to me the attitude that I've tried, but I failed. I, I tried, but I couldn't get through. And so his life is limited right now, even in the presence of an almighty God, because he is held hostage by the failure of his past. And they are keeping him from seeing the opportunity of the present moment. I wonder how many people in this building right now that the one thing that hangs you up from really having a breakthrough in your life, and I mean really getting past issues and and things that have hurt you and bound you, is something connected to your past that you just can't forgive yourself of, you can't overcome, you can't get beyond. When you look at your life, you see failure. When you look at your life, you see struggle. When you look at your life, all you see are all the times you tried but came up short and the reason that you're not making an attempt this morning because in your mind what's the use this is just the way life is for me this is the way I'm always going to be oh my God I can understand the man I mean when you've been there that long and you've been shoved around and you've been overlooked and you wonder if your time's ever going to come And here he is being asked by some stranger he doesn't even know. This ludicrous question. Do you want to be made whole? And all that comes billowing up are his past failures. And all of the time. I don't even know why I'm still here, but I am. I wonder sometimes why people keep coming to church too especially those that never pray and never worship, never get involved. But you know what? There's always a chance. If you can keep them around an altar, keep them in the house of God long enough, surely their time will come. But all of that come convulsing out of him. It's almost like a repeat in so many situations. It's what almost kept him from that change in his life that he needed so desperately. All of his past attempts, all of his past efforts, all of his past failure. The reason some people aren't even trying this morning, they're just going through the motions in life, is because for a long time I've been trying and nothing's changed. The argument was logical. It was... Logical, except for one thing. He completely discounted the fact that God was in his life at that moment to make a change. And his hopes for the future were being held hostage by the failures of the past. Amen. You know what? There are people in this building this morning that no doubt may think in your own life that things will never get better. That this is just the way it is with my life. It's been proven. My track record shows it. Look at all the times that I started and I stopped. I made an attempt and I failed. Look at all the times that I came to the altar and I said I was going to do different. Then I slid back to the back and I, I went right back to that old way of life. I am not beating around the bush today. I am preaching to somebody in this building right now. 
held by a mind that holds on to things that it needs to let go of. Held by a mind that though the body might be getting better, the mind is not. Nothing can so paralyze a man's life than the notion or the thinking that is based on past experience that things will never change for me. To judge the present by the past is to limit God. It is to put handcuffs on Him and freeze Him from what He really wants to do. You see, the fact is, Oh, this is such, it is such a simple truth, but it is such a powerful fact that God is not limited by my past. I don't care how many times I failed. I don't care how many times I came to the altar and said, okay, I'm going to get it right this time. I don't care how many times you made a commitment that you broke the very next day or made a commitment and before you got out of the church parking lot, you were already cussing and screaming and carrying on like a heathen. Nothing is impossible with God to change in your life. Nothing. 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 I don't care if it's been a hundred years of repeated failure and repeated mistakes. There is something about Him that can change everything about your life. Your problem in His presence. Oh, God have mercy. I wish that I had some folks that could help me preach right now. Your problem in His presence is not a problem at all. It's a possibility waiting to happen. It is a possibility that is waiting to be resolved. Your problem, your issue, your complex deal, whatever it is that you're having a struggle with, when you bring it into the presence of the Lord, He is not limited by my past. No matter how many times I've been disappointed, no matter how many times I've tried and failed, no matter how many times I almost made it, I wish I could get through to every backslider in this world that's held captive by a past that they can't seem to let go of. Oh, God, if I can just get into your presence, your presence can break the chains of the past. They can break the chains of a mind that is consumed with the problem, but never seeing the possibility, never realizing that in Him and with Him, all things are possible. No, you can't do it by yourself, and that's the problem. Some of you come to an altar, and you make all kind of commitments to God about what you're going to do, and then you go out and you try to do it all by yourself. That's why it's only a matter of time until you fall on your face. You don't need to leave God at the altar. You need to take him with you because he's going to be the difference 
that's going to help you break through. You know why? With all of this going on, I believe that's the reason the Lord dealt with this man the way he did. It was as if God had heard enough. And he didn't say it suggestively. It is given as a command. Get up. Get up. I don't even know who you are. But there was something in the power of what he said that made this man realize something. I need to get up. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what you've got up your sleeve. But your word is so powerful to me that I'm going to do what you told me to do. And when that man got up and acted on the word that had been spoken into his life, the Bible said immediately, not 30 minutes, not an hour, not a week or a month, but immediately there was a transformation in his life. He literally got up. He picked up his bed. The thing that had carried him into that place, he picks it up and he carries it out of the place. Wouldn't it be a miracle today for somebody that was carried into this building, carried by your problem, carried by your issues, that you can roll it up and put it over your shoulder and say, you're not carrying me anymore. You're not con- Controlling me anymore. My God, get on your feet and lift your hands to Him right now and say, God can do anything if I will only respond to His Word. Come on, right now, somebody. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Oh. You know what I felt in the Holy Ghost this morning? I felt the Holy Ghost telling me, you go out there and tell somebody, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get out of your self-pity. Get out of that mindset that's held you captive. Get away from that past. Oh, my God, get away. Get up. Look around you and realize that you're in a place where real miracles can happen. It's not an illusion. It's not something to only hope for. It's not a fairy tale or a legend. Changes take place in this building. Amen. Changes take place in this building. Lives transformed because somebody was bold enough that when they heard the word of God and that word said, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. They're down. They've been down a long time. Get up, get up. Ah, there's something in the power of that word that makes me want to get up. It makes me want to do something. I don't want to stay where I am. There's something in the power of God's presence that makes me want to respond to it. There's something in His Word that gives me hope that there can be a change in my life. Come on, lift your voice, lift your voice, and lift your hands and call out on the Lord right now. Get up, 
Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Oh, Jesus. I got something to say to some of you folks here. You need to get up. I don't care how many devils are staring down your back, knowing all about your past failures and your past attempts. And the only, I'm going to tell you what, I think some people came to that porch just to see what was going on. They didn't have any intentions of being changed. They didn't have any intention of anything happening. They just wanted to see. I wonder if he's going to make it this time. You know what? I don't care if there's a million eyes staring down your back right now and laughing at you over all your past failures. You need to have the courage to listen not to what they say, but what he says. And he said, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Yes. Struggle to your feet, whatever you got, but get up. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Get up. Get up. Come on. There's something in this house today that can make the difference. This is not a chance. This is not a chance. This is an opportunity. This is a possibility. Miracles. Transformation can happen in this place this morning that can change your life forever. Get up. Get up. Even if your spouse doesn't move. Even if your friends don't move. Even if those around you look at you strange. Forget about what they might say or think. I need a change in my life. I need a change in my life. I need a transformation in my life. I'm tired of being stuck in this place for so long. I'm tired of being held captive by a mind that will not let me be healed. By a spirit that will not let me go. By a past that torments me and troubles me and argues with me and condemns me. Come on, get up, 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 get up. Jesus, nothing.